Welcome back to the Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Armstrong, each and every week. So, uh, well, I say each and every week. As some of you uh, know, there wasn't a podcast last week. It was a really weird week. I woke up one day uh, earlier in that week and, and uh, saw the headlines from all over the world that I had um, passed away um, from advanced colon cancer. And so it was just a, a, a trippy week. I had to, I had to, uh, you know, to sort of acknowledge that I wasn't going to be alive anymore, and uh, you know, spend a little time to myself. So um, I'm actually, I'm not kidding about the article, but I am kidding that that's the reason that I took the week off. I don't really have a great excuse. Um, it was a busy week. I had some physical problems, blew out my back in the gym, and just was a little off. So I decided to, to sit it out a week. So my apologies to the loyal listeners. Uh, but here we are, we're back. We're back again. Another podcast, another Monday. Uh, what is going on? A lot going on. Um, just the other day, my friend Andy Sandberg, who's doing another spoof sports film called The Tour to Pharmacy. His first one was called Seven Days in Hell, about a Wimbledon final that would never end. Well, this is his second installment for HBO, um, again, called Tour to Pharmacy. You know, yeah, I know, uh, which I appear in. Uh, you can find the trailer on HBO's website or, or probably on YouTube, but a whole ton of stars um, from, you know, from every walk of life. You've ever been from John Cena to Mike Tyson to Danny Glover to... Orlando Bloom to Andy himself uh, to yours truly uh, looks. I haven't seen the film yet. Uh, the trailer is pretty hilarious, um, and so yeah, give that a give that a look. See if you can uh, if you can uh, find it there on the internet. Uh, one other thing before I get into my guest, or actually two more things uh, for the Texas Hundred. Please uh, sign up texas100.com. But also the only update I have to that is is the. Uh, the jerseys and the shorts, what we call the kit, is now available uh, for the ride. They look super sweet. Big forward logo down the back. You can find those at the Mellow Johnny's shop. So just go to mellowjohnnies.com and uh, you'll find it there. Um, and otherwise, if you don't want the kit and you want to come to the ride, sign up at texas100.com June 3rd, uh, right here outside of Austin, Texas. Uh Last thing, I just want to—I just want to say, uh, send a, uh, my best wishes on behalf of myself and my family and all of you listeners uh, to Nikki Hayden, who's who was a former MotoGP champion and an absolutely fanatical cyclist. Uh, races in Supercross now. Was out training last week uh, outside of, the, uh, of his track, his test track in Italy. A car swerved out, coming head on. Uh, he collided with the car, ended up. You know, basically through the front windshield, and is currently uh, in critical condition, fighting for his life. Um, you know, the the I never met Nikki, and 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 uh, but but the uh, the the comments and the emotion around uh, this man clearly proves that he's an incredible individual, an incredible human being, an incredible friend. So. Uh, to Nikki and to your your family, we're we're all thinking about you and pulling for you, and I uh, hope you get through this uh, just fine. So, hang in there, buddy. My guest this week, another guy that's got an interesting story. His name is Eduardo Garcia, and uh, a new documentary just came out about 
eh, not about his entire life. There's a lot about his life in there, but a couple of really significant moments in his life. He was an up-and-coming chef um, in, in, um, in Montana, had uh, a pilot film to, to, to have a cooking show and was out hiking one day when he came across a live wire, or actually a dead bear that had fallen on the live wire um, that he got too close to and, and literally, uh, you know, basically blew his brains out. It, it was one of the gnarliest things. The film is called Charged. And Eduardo was, was here in Austin doing a screening at the Alamo Draft House. Uh, the crazy story and where it intersects with mine is that while he was in the hospital being treated for the significant burns from the electrocution, um, lo and behold, they find out he has testicular cancer. And so then it is not only a healing process from the burns, but then it's uh, surgeries and multiple cycles of chemotherapy to try to save his life from that. So uh, I got to tell you, I mean, sitting with Eduardo for the hour was what an inspiring person, inspiring character, inspiring story. And, you know, it's a story, too, that has... uh, you know, I think Eduardo Hill acknowledged in the podcast, it's, it's as inspiring as it is, um, those stories and those people are not perfect people. And so I related to that, um, as you all can imagine, and uh, love the hour with him. Hope you enjoy it, too. Any questions or comments, send me an email, theforwardpodcast at wedosport.com. Same email. I'm going to change it one day, but right now, theforwardpodcast at wedosport.com. It's almost summertime. Until next week. Eduardo, thanks for being here. Yeah, you bet, Lance. Thanks I, for having me. I don't know. Uh, I've done a year's worth of these things, and I usually have a general idea of where to start. But with you, I don't know where to start. And I don't know where to start because... Uh, because your life is, I mean, between the, you know, getting electrocuted, having cancer, um, um, you know, growing up without a father, essentially just a lot of questions. But then I also, this, this meets sort of understanding those things. Cause I know what it was like to grow up without a father. I knew what it was like, obviously to have testicular cancer. I knew what it was like to go through a bunch of crazy shit. So it's like, yeah, I was watch. I got up this morning to watch the new document, the new documentary about your life, Charged. And and as you guys know, I talked about it, saw the long form trailer years ago, and tweeted about it. And yeah, I was so grateful for that too. Yeah, and I think what did I say? I said if 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 you're having a bad day, if you think you're having a bad day, watch this. And I think it was two and a half, three minutes, and yeah, and just that really didn't do it justice for the hour and a half that I saw today, which. Um, but I have to say, it was different than what I thought. Yeah, film. I mean, if I would jump in, that, that's, um, I think that's one of the beautiful surprises I had kind of hold in my hand mm-hmm. when I'm at a theater or mm-hmm. at a screening and I'm sort of shaking people's hands while they're walking into the film and I know they've only seen the, the trailer that yep. is out there. Um, you know, a trailer is never going to have the full story right. and that's the beauty of it. And I just know that when director Phil Baraboo, um you know, when I saw my first cut, I had only seen the trailer too. Mm. And I, I think the first cut I saw was maybe, you know, 200 minutes. Yep. Um, and I too was fairly blown away at how, um, sort of how broad yep. and how in the depth 
in which the story sort of tumbled into. So for the listener who may not have seen the trailer, sure. probably hasn't seen the film. So let's go back there. Let's, you know, the, the film basically, or what I thought the film was about, was you apparently elk hunting or hiking in the woods, um, coming across, uh, it's, 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 I can't even explain what you came across or what maybe you can do it. I, I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable spot because parts of the film, you don't want to go back there and you don't want to look yeah. at it or talk about it or think about it, which I understand. And then at the end of the film, not to ruin parts of the film, you get, you get back there. Yeah. Um, it's good for me to go back there. I think, um, I think a certain level of discomfort is, I don't know, pretty appropriate reminder yeah. of what it, what it feels like to be alive. You know, I think we have pretty cushy existence for the most part. Um, today and and so going back is fine it's a, that reminder keeps me straight and um you know I, I, as you said i was elk hunting and um there was a backcountry cabin that had power going to it basically and there was a junction box um where you know the cable kind of you know there was a end of a spool and a new spool and they spliced it and threw a can over it and hmm. that was from way back in the 60s and um had you been past this before? I'd never seen it before, okay. and I've hiked to that area a ton. It's hmm. about three miles from the trailhead where I parked my truck that day. And um, the lid, the locks that kept the lid on had corroded, and the, the lid had fallen off, thereby exposing, um, you know, the splice deep down the bottom of this, you know, barrel. And it, if you, here's one thing I, I, I got to point out, because anyone listening is thinking like, what? You, you know, right. what, 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 if you even if you saw a dead bear, you know, so a baby black bear had obviously gotten zapped in that barrel and died in the barrel. And most people think, well, why the hell would you touch a dead baby bear? Right. And as an outdoorsman growing up in Montana since I was a kid, um, you know, I, I'm very comfortable with hunting, fishing, picking up antlers and feathers off the ground. It's been my world. That is my world. You know, not the urban environment, mm. but the outdoor That's environment. That's your backyard. It's 100%. Yeah. So picking out a knife put it in my left hand to just kind of investigate and say, well, what the heck is this? And I got within 18 inches, I think, of uh, the bear, you know, of, you know, the ball of fur, basically. And that power that was still alive arced into the metal in my, you know, my knife in, in my left hand. So this bear, I'm just curious, because so the bear had got, was curious too. So he hops in the, in the barrel yeah. or somehow stumbles I, in it or, and that he, that that's what kills him immediately. M I mean, must have, must have, must have. And it, this thing was far gone. It was not a lot of. It was terrific having this opportunity to clear some things up to you. There's a lot of folks thinking, man, you know, they have this vision of this 300 pound black bear on mm -hmm. the ground, and, and not so. If you've hiked in the national forest or the Rocky Mountains, and probably anywhere in the United States, there's um, detritus and leftover material from mining camps, sheep camps, cattle operations, mm -hmm. and a lot of cattle companies have leases on national land. And they'll put an old tire out or a 50-gallon oil drum cut in half with a salt lick in there for cows to kind of get minerals mm -hmm. and whatnot. And that's kind of what I thought it was. I thought it was just trash, leftover junk from some bygone era. And then when I Weren't there at, cables coming from... No, nah, man. It was over. It was in the middle of this gully in the middle of nowhere. Oh, my you know, God. And, uh, and it was the last thing you thought you would see was a man-made anything back there. Wow. And so before you even... I mean, it's that strong that you didn't even have to touch the bear. I mean, it jumped. I mean, what, what the electricity or the, the 
Yeah, no, the, the, the power arced from its live source, which was at ground level, Jesus. 18 inches up into my knife, and then uh, exited in nine different places. And I mean, 2,400 volts. 2,400 volts. It sounded, it felt like... Um, it felt like a hairdryer without the noise, just an immediate hot air coming from behind my head mixed with a really bad rendition of Pink Floyd and, you know, like, yes. Turned so do up you high. remember that? Yeah, I remember the sensation. I remember the heat. I remember the feeling. Um, how many volts? Do, do people know or do they know how many, like, if you got struck by lightning, how many volts that is? You know, um, it, it was considerably less than lightning. And um, one of those things where... Because people survive getting... I mean, yeah. Not a lot of people, but people survive getting struck by lightning. Yeah, absolutely. But when you see these, you dude, you can't even, we're talking about it, people are listening to us talk about it, you can't, you have to see it. Like Just watching this, obviously you lost half of your left forearm, hand, everything, you know. But the, but the, but the, uh, your head, like the, the, <laughs> where this electricity, you just, I, it's like I can't even believe that. I mean, it looked like you got um, bombed or something. I mean, it was. It follows. I was I, as I learned that elect, electricity is going to find a um, almost like the conduit. You know, it's going to find the find uh, its way the, out the highways within your mm. body and like anything else, um, the our, our arterial systems act as highways, mm. and um, it's the quickest way to move through the body is through liquid and fluid. And so if, you know, I had a huge blowout on my left thigh right near my femoral artery. Um, and then, you know, it had two blowouts on my, through my, through my skull, um, you know, on, on my head and then my elbows, my hand and my torso. And, and that's, that's one of the things I think about a little bit sometimes mm -hmm. is that that blowout right here on my left torso, it, I mean, half of my pectoral's gone, half of my obliques on my left side's gone. And, um, I mean, it was, you know, that's inches from my heart. You know, the, the the images in the film, and again, I would encourage anybody listening to check this out, because the, the crazy thing for me is, well, first of all, that this happens, right? That's, yeah. that's, that's crazy. Um, but, you know, that happens. Things happen to people. They, they have, you know, they get in a car wreck or a bike wreck or, 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 or whatever it is, but very rarely do people say, we're going to capture this. So I think that's, what, obviously, this film does not happen. If your girlfriend at the time or your or your well ex girlfriend friend yeah. partner uh, best friend isn't there capturing all this like none of this happens yeah I mean you have a film that's obviously later on new content was created but you know from the day you go into the hospital throughout the whole process Jennifer Jane is capturing all this stuff and I mean that that takes some. I mean, Pretty incredible foresight. Yeah, yeah. I wish um, and slash might be a little weird. Yeah, we, yeah. We're we're here in Austin right now because we screened the film at, mm. um, over at the Lamar Draft House Theater, and um, she had to fly out this morning, unfortunately, so she can't be here. But I'll speak on her behalf that um, you know we had been piloting a outdoor cooking show concept, and um, we're actually five days from basically a sit down contract meeting with the Food Network to sell mm. this show before my injury happened. And um, so bittersweet that on the 17th of October, I had my left hand amputated, which is the day our appointment was set to mm. be, you know, at their office in New York. And, um, and I feel for Jenny, she is an incredibly creative woman and flying back from the UK 
to my bedside in Salt Lake City as a friend because um, we had stopped dating at that point. She um, she knew that we had this bank of footage we'd been um, capturing um, since 2010. And so we had a bank of footage that we were going to use for this TV show. And she um, she, she just said we, she, we had a camera and a lens. And then we also had, it's important to note that, you know, we had um, my good friend Philip Baraboo, who directed the film Charged, and, and then um, other friends at Citizen Pictures in Denver, Colorado, is another production team mm-hmm. we were working with. And they, they rallied to make sure we had a camera and gear. And, and really it was Jen that had the guts and kind of, you know, uh, was not, it was unflappable yeah. and could just press record during all of my operations. And, In one of the scenes, I think it was one of the nurses was unwrapping some gauze. And she was like, you could tell she was like, you couldn't really hear what she said, but... It sounds like she says, like, well, what are you guys, what are you filming this for? And somebody says, oh, just for our own purposes. Or, but clearly, you know, it, 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 not everybody that's in the hospital, life or death, is, is saying, all right, let's hit record. Well, yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I was not thinking documentary. Mm, right. I, all I know is that we had Which, just Which, by spent, the way, makes it better. I, right. I was not thinking documentary. I was thinking, uh, I've always loved photography as mm. a kid. So being with cameras and shooting for the sake of capturing moments is something I'm keen to do. Mm. And, um, and that was my approach. And I also, part of my approach was um, I don't want to, there's a beauty, there's a beauty in, in all aspects of life for me. Like my, you know, I've had friends sort of um, not, you know, kind of get on my case or like, damn it, you're, you're always overly optimistic or mm. overly positive. And I don't know, I, I see beauty in the macabre. I see beauty in life and death. I see beauty in all things. And, um, so I was very interested in just capturing these moments that I hoped would never be created again in my life. Mm. I never wanted to experience this again, so let's capture it. Mm. I think Jen was probably, the out of the two of us, was the one who actually had foresight to think this could be something that could help others. Right. We just need to capture it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that uh, and Phil's sitting in, Phil Baraboo's sitting in with us. He's got, we, we stuck him in the corner with a mic, but what, Phil, this is a question for you. So Phil directed not only this film, Charge, but he directed another film, which I've talked about, and, and the listeners of the show know that I'm a, I love documentaries. Like, I watch uh, yeah. every, like, when I go to iTunes, I don't look at, like, I go directly to, you know, category document. I love documentaries, especially music documentaries. So I, I saw your first film, Phil, uh, Unbranded, which was incredible. But Phil, what percentage of this film did she shoot and did you shoot? Because my sense is it's, it's the vast majority was, was Jenny. Right, yeah. I mean, she did film every single day, 50 days in ICU, was 100% Jenny. Yep. And to be able to have this super raw, super emotional footage, you can tell the difference between the stuff I shot and the moments that it's just them and her, yeah. which is incredible and I think rare for a survival film to have that. Yeah. So, I don't know, I've never thought about a percentage, but quarter to half is probably split. Yeah. But then as... Eduardo got back to Montana. He started to do his recovery for chemotherapy and stuff like that. And that's yeah. when I started jumping back. And you guys knew each other before. Well, so, yeah. yeah, just to throw it back to Phil, um, that cooking show concept that Jenny and I were working on, yep. um, we hired uh, Phil and a crew Phil was working with at the time to film that sizzle reel. So that's how we met is hmm. that, that sizzle reel that was getting us into the doors of the Food Network. And, you know, um, Phil filmed that. Hmm. Okay, so you guys were... So we had already... That's how we knew each other. And then with my injury, um, 
I mean, I wasn't in communication with Phil, but Phil and Jen obviously mm-hmm. were. And then uh, we had we maintained a friendship after working together. So when I came home to do my chemotherapy, um, Phil took it upon himself. Phil really, as a buddy, he wanted to see me. And then also, I think, as a incredible documentary filmmaker. And, you know, I think Phil's great strength in 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 um in film is story Mm. and seeing story and uh he would show up unpaid as a buddy to just capture my early hikes my early days fly fishing my early days cooking um yeah yeah and but this must have been i mean bozeman i've been there once it's not a very big place i mean this must have been big news i mean this i would think it's such a crazy story like in the paper, like all your, I mean, people must have talked about it. And... Yeah, it's, um, it, it actually, I, I was living an hour south of Bozeman in a town okay. called Emigrant, which is smaller. Right. Imagine that. Bozeman's right. around 40, 45,000 people, give or take. And yeah. um, Emigrant is tiny. Um, What's well, in the film? Like a little gas station. Yeah, no, that, the that's film, the but... store. You know, it's. And by the way, I didn't, you know, Immigrant is spelled E M I. You know, it's not Immigrant, it's, it's, it's immigrant. Yeah, it's a different immigrant, and it was there was it was a gold rush town, you know. So uh, there was a train going through, and people were emigrating there. And I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't do a single right. interview with news. I didn't do. A, um, I was not proud. I was not proud of the fact that I was, you know, missing my limb. I was not um, <laughs> when I when my hair started falling out um, going through chemotherapy. I uh, we ended up, you know, shaving my head that was soon to be just completely bald and smooth, but uh, my eyebrows turned kind of wispy, and I figured, well, we'll leave those on as long as they hang, and then my my sideburns kind of hung in a little bit, and I uh, I figured I could wear a beanie because mm. wintertime, and no one would know I wouldn't have hair. Mm. And it, now I look back at pictures, and there's a chemotherapy look. Buddy, <laughs> you, I know the look. You know what I'm saying. I know the look. You look like a Buddha, and yeah. you know you're kind of all just rounded, and 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 uh, in your eye, I mean, everything about you just screams. And I've seen it on other people now, wearing a beanie, looking the same way, and my heart goes out to them. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, having been there, it's been a long time, twenty years. But uh, and I think, look, people can take two different uh, approaches to that, or or uh, embrace that, or not. I sort of chose to. I mean, I remember at the height of that chemo look that I had a long time ago, 20 years ago, I was like, my license needed to be renewed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. So I went down to the DMV and I took my photo. So later on, I'll, I'll text you a picture of, of, so for years, my license was that look. Really? Like, yeah. And so a year later, you have hair, you have eyebrows, you have, right. you look normal. Um, and you, you know, hand somebody your license, they'd be like, What? It's a very different look. So I, I know it well, man. I know it well. What, but I, I still, I got to go. So you get up from this thing, because this, this to me is just so crazy. You get up, you stumble out of wherever you were, right? Yeah, three, Fine. three miles. Three miles. Yeah. And you're, but you must know that obviously you're seriously fucked up. Halfway out, halfway out, I realized that I, uh, I realized that I was walking to save my life. Yeah. Yeah. And you find a road, a car. Or you find your car. Like a wounded animal, you go down and you go right. to water. And I mean, it was like, there's a river in the valley. There's houses somewhere there. I'm going to walk downhill until I hit a house. Yeah. I found a home. There's a gentleman. Um, there's a, a gentleman who was, uh, you know, varnishing or cleaning the outside of his cabin. And, um, yeah, sat me down, called 911. And um, 
<laughs> that little town of Emigrant we just talked about has one stoplight. It's not a stoplight, it's a caution light. Yeah. So on the interstate or the highway part, it flashes yellow. And on the country road that crosses it, it flashes red. Yeah. And I never forget going, being in that ambulance facing backwards, looking through the ambulance windows, which has sort of the paramedic symbols, and then seeing that flashing yellow light. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm driving through home. Hmm. Yeah. Any effects, obviously, you lost half your arm, so that's that's a side quote unquote side effect. Anything else from being you know from being literally yeah microwaved? I mean, what um, it has to be. You know, there there are, and and I'm not pausing because I don't want to share them. I'm pausing because I don't think. And by the way, it. you don't have you don't have to. No, I I don't I don't think about it often. Mm. At the end of the day, I joke with ladies that it's like taking a bra off to take a prosthetic off because I have this strap that sits on my right shoulder yeah. and you know and so by the time I get to take it off at the end of the day I realize how that my elbows on both arms hurt for you know to, to move my left hand which is my hook my prosthesis I have to push and 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 push against a harness and socket system to open and close it and to open and close our naturally born hands, it requires very little stress on the body. Right. And yet this is stressing my elbow, my shoulder, and this other shoulder. And so there's definitely, I, I pause to consider, I'm 35 now, you know, when I'm 70, you know, double the age, what my body will be like. Um, and then, of course, I have a, you know, nerve damage, um, you know, in all my extremities. So I feel that in the cold quite often. Um, but when you, cause there's a scene in the movie where you were, uh, I think you guys were working at your, I don't know if it's a catering outfit or a, a it's Montana Max. Our food, or yeah, our your, food company. Your food company. And, and, and you were having one of the ladies, your, you, your hands were cold or losing sensation. And one of the ladies was massaging your hand. Yeah. And, you know, I was watching that. I, I don't know if you think that that's a side effect of, of being electrocuted. Or if that's a side effect of high dose chemotherapy, high dose chemo. Yeah, my see, guess. I, I, my guess would be because I have the same like when I my hands and my feet suck now. Like yeah, when I ride, my hands yeah. go numb. If it's if it's fifty degrees, mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. fingers are freezing. Yeah, like it, it's so. Do I, they go white? Um, I don't know. I mean, probably. I look at them. My mind will go white. They have gloves when they, if they're that cold. I have gloves on. Well, maybe so. it's because I'm, you know, like darker skinned Latino dude, and I notice it more or something. But yeah. I, um, my doctor, he said it was well. I thought it was neuropathy, like mild mm-hmm. neuropathy, and then I was actually told he thinks it's uh, Raynaud's syndrome, um, and that right. you know you can take medicine for it. And uh, honestly, I'm averse to taking anything anymore. I, I was feel like I was so freaking, you know, drugged up and pilled up in the hospital that if yeah. I can help it. I don't yeah. want to touch anything. Yeah. So that that's the crit, you know, that's where your story really touches my story and and I tried to um I I, I tried to allude to this in the, at the top of the show which I did a shitty job doing, but we have these similarities, right? So that your story touches mine when when you're diagnosed with cancer. Your story touches mine when you acknowledge that at many times in your life you've been a, a, a total and complete asshole to loved ones to friends to uh, others um and so i uh, watching those things at different points in the film really resonated with me the cancer part is just so crazy in that that you're there for this and then but at the same time i wonder i'm like if he doesn't get electrocuted or shocked 
Yeah. You know, at, at what point does he, he lives in this, you live in a small town in Montana. At what point do you ever figure out that you have, at the time, I mean, just randomly they find somewhat advanced stage two testicular cancer, which is going to require surgery and chemotherapy. That's already, the horse has already left the barn. Yeah. So you're not there for this, right? The main issue. How long do you go ignoring that? At which point it becomes yeah. too late? Um, you wrote a book. Um, it's not about the bike, mm -hmm. I believe. So I read that in um, the early 2000s, long before this injury, when I was a yacht chef. I was in Costa Rica. And I think a guest left it on the boat. <laughs> so I picked it up, knew who you were. And um, I knew nothing about cancer. No one in my family has ever had cancer close to me. And yet, um, there was always something in that book. I read it multiple times for a few years. Um, is there something about the way, I believe, you attacked it? When you realized you had cancer, you it turned into like your, your master's degree almost. You're like, yeah. I want to know everything about right. this. And um, it was 2000 and, um, it was, it was 2008. And I was in the south of France cooking 20 hours a day for months on end. And I had a, a pain in my groin. And uh, there were, we had a doctor as a guest on board. And I usually don't, I'm a typical young dude, I don't flag anything. I'm just, I will ride over this, we'll ride over Got this. It. And I, large part, I, I get a chance to say thank you today, actually, mm. because I think in reading your book, it stuck with me. There were, there were things that stuck with me, but one of them was, damn, I don't. If thing, if anything ever like anything like that ever happened to me, I'd I want I would want to catch it as early as possible. Right. And um, that the doctor at the time he you know I told the captain and the captain said oh we have a doctor on board like I'll tell him and he can check you out and so the doctor came in and he like told him what was up and <laughs> I'll never forget I'm in the galley like, on my cutting board and he just drop your drawers and gives me a quick right. examination right. he's like oh, you're working too hard take an ibuprofen you're good and you know, typical guy. Fucking, I'm thinking, fuck yes, yeah. man. Like that's what I want to hear. Yeah, I got the clean, Is, yeah, clean bill of health. Yeah, do nothing right about here it. In the kitchen. Do nothing right. about it. And right. then you fast forward four years, and it's um, the summer of 2011. And you know, Jenny Jane and I, I had left yachting. Uh, we were piloting this TV show, this TV show concept. I'd signed with William Morris Endeavor. A lot of cool things were happening. Our food company, Montana Max, is is you know about to really kick off. And um, you know. Jenny, I started to feel that same pain in my groin again. And I told Jen, I said, man, I'm feeling that same thing I felt in 2007. I got to get this thing checked out. Hmm. And I listened to it this time. Like, I'm not going to go have, I'm going to go seriously go get this check out. I'm going to go to uh, the cancer center in Bozeman and have this looked at, you know, who knows. Hmm. So it had been on my mind um, seriously at that point. But quite honestly, um, I don't know how deep we want to go in, into this, but I'll just share that one of my exit wounds was in my groin, right. and um, you know there. Yeah, was, they were talking about that in the in the, in the film. Yeah, you know that they couldn't save they couldn't save one of my jewels, you know, and so it went to a lab, and um, everything goes to a lab. Any body parts that get removed right. go to a lab and get checked, and um, and it was actually when I knew that it was not savable. Um, that's a loss for a young man to hear. Yeah. And uh, I'll never, you know, and I actually said to the nursing staff or my surgical team, I said, hey, um, and I, I just because it was being removed from my body, I, I just said, hey, and I told them the story I just told you. This one time I had this one pain, I had it checked, nothing of it. 
a few weeks ago, I started to feel that pain again. And so they took that sample and brought it to the lab right. because I hadn't spoken up. Hmm. And uh, and then they biopsied it and obviously found now, it's, seminoma. You, t- you get into that in the film where you talk about this quote-unquote exit wound. And I was, I was thinking, oh, my God, this poor guy, he had that had a quote-unquote exit wound on one of his, mm-hmm. as you said, jewels, and now he's going to have testicular cancer perhaps in the other jewel. I'm like, this is this is not good. Yeah. I mean, Mother Nature chose the right one. Yeah. That was, Thank that God. Was, yeah, that was Yeah, that for was whatever whatever started. was on that side that wanted to go out that way. Well, it's interesting. It's all left, you know. Everything's left. Yeah, yeah. left ball, left hand, left ribs, yeah. all of it. Yeah. Well, we're different in that aspect. I'm I'm right. But I, you know, I, I as as a young man, same thing. I mean, I, I was more of the mindset of like, get this out. I want out. I want I want this out of my body. And and I talk about it. You know why I talk about it? I talk about it because um, there's a group called um, the Movember. Mm-hmm, Movember sure. group. Yeah, done a uh, bunch of stuff with them. There's also a group my friend Brad Luden started mm-hmm. called First Descents. Yep. And they're both, um, you know, either men's health awareness yeah. or cancer support for younger adults yeah. and um, very much with charge the documentary and then many of the other things I'm doing in my life it's it's I have to somehow I have for me to yep. f- figure out how to make all this right I have to figure out how to take this tragedy it is a tragedy you know a major you know significant injury like this that nearly takes your life is a tragedy and I got to make sure that there's some purpose moving forward so that all of this is transmuted into really positive action for others. Well, you said a couple of really important things, and you don't need to explain it to me, but the most important word you said was forward. And that comes through in the film, whether it's the accident, uh, out hiking, the cancer, your other, your, your sort of this, the film is also too about, a, to me, about a journey that you're on that's that's all about moving forward and so that that i mean this podcast is called the forward i'm obviously somebody that that hasn't had a a, 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 uh you know i've had plenty of bumps in the road and so for me it's all about moving forward but the other important thing which you just touched on brad ludden and first ascent so i my much better half anna hansen the mother of two of my children used to work for first ascent that was oh really that's how we met oh no kidding through first ascent yeah brad so That's we, awesome. yeah, so we, uh, First Ascents was a young organization. They were looking for, uh, you know, some, uh, some staff. And yeah. so they were, I'll give Brad a little shit. They were poaching staff from Livestrong. Got it. And so they hired a CEO, they hired some programmatic people and, and I was working there at First Ascents. And so I was in Denver for a speech and, and, but these people stayed friends of ours. So, um, we 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 were actually Higgs and I were there in Denver, and um, we said, "Well, let's all go out." So Brad came, and and his staff that used to be our staff came, and they brought this really really pretty blonde girl named Anna Hansen, and I was like, "Hmm, let's do some tequila shots and go out to some, play some pool." So that was so I know Brad and I know First Ascents very well. Yeah, That's awesome. And fast forward, here we are, two kids later, and I love that. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Yeah, uh, First Ascent started in, in Colorado, correct? Yeah. And, and you said Anna is from Fort Collins area. She's from Fort Collins, so. went to see you. Cool, yeah. Love, you know, she's super pissed that I make her live in Texas most yeah. of the year. But I tell you, and just for those listening that um, know, you know, you know, resonate with any of the cancer part of this in its earlier stages, there, you know, what I mean is you know someone who's 
um, just been told, you know, someone who's putting off checking their health. Mm. Um, that was really fundamental for me. I, I actually um, won a, a trip to a surf camp that First Ascents does in a raffle, you know, uh, in an auction and uh, fundraiser. And um, I think I, I was hesitant to go because, you know, once you've got a clean bill of health from your oncologist and you have an annual checkup or biannual checkup, whatever it is, it's, uh, it's not a terrific day, but at the same time, it can be given you get a clean bill of health. But I, um, I was super interested in not talking about the fact that I had had cancer hmm. um, or to, and even testicular cancer for that matter. And, um, you know, I needed, I needed, a, I needed a wake up call. I needed, yeah. needed to somehow understand that it's not, it wasn't something I need to be ashamed of. That you know, the human body is is capable of all kinds of successes and losses. Right. And to get ill or to have some type yeah. of medical thing M- happen, malfunction, it happens. Yeah, of course. And 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 so there, the wake up call with first descent was to break bread with a group of other people going through the same things I was in yeah. some other form, whether it's breast cancer or ovarian or lung or anything. Like mm. I'm sitting there the surf camp for five days with you know, 15 other adults ranging from, you know, 20 years of age to 40. And we all have our own stories. And um, I don't know, maybe it actually switched the tune for me um, that why should I be ashamed of this? I should actually turn this into a great thing for others. And and if they don't know you and you roll up to a first sense camp that's full of cancer survivors and they see you, like if I saw you right now and you said, I'm a cancer survivor, I would see your lack of an arm, your this, this prosthetic. And I would think, oh, he had, I don't know, the, the arm cancer, some sort of malignancy in his arm. So yeah. that's, and lo and behold, it's a, you're like, no, 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 that's a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you're, it's so fucked up. I mean, it's so deep. Yeah. You know, you said something when you were uh, in and around the, being in the hospital outside of the, the initial tragedy, but, but around the cancer part that's really stuck with me. And I, I wrote it down. This is an exact quote. Um, you said you felt a responsibility to be tougher than I should have been because of how hard everyone else was working around me. And, you know, I was like, man, I've been there where it's just like, you know, the uh, caregivers, loved ones, family, nurse, you know, everybody like, how you doing? You doing? It, 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 it's so easy. I don't know that everybody thinks that way, but I was always like, oh, no, I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. I mean, inside <laughs> you're going, I, I really don't feel very good. And, uh, it was, it's a great quote. It was, it, it, I just wanted to share that, but, um, I know it. And then, you know, for me, that can also be risky because you put yourself in a place where at some point you have to admit yeah. that, that you're tired or that you're not doing good. And that's, you know, for a tough person, a tough man, a tough woman, that's, that's a tough thing to, to come back on. Yeah. And it's, I, um, I have a I have a personality that has a hard time finding the middle road. Mm. I either want to be going straight up or straight down, and um, so in, in that note, you know, I uh, I did feel like it was my job. Even you know, sometimes I'd be splinted up like this. You know, my yeah. arms would be splinted, and I couldn't pick my own nose, let alone other things. And I felt that if it was just my eyes, if it was just being able to communicate with the doctors and nurses and my family and those around me helping with my with my spirit you know whatever i could communicate through my eyes that i was there i was fighting on the inside that that's what i could contribute to that day's effort to Hmm. further my case to further my recovery and so i felt that um the patient and i still feel this way and i 
encourage others to really consider this and, and that in in the heartbeat, in the moment when you are still alive, no matter how tragic your case, um, you know, it is our it is our job, first and foremost, as a born human being, to live and mm. to live like to, like to be with right. a purpose. Yeah. Right, right. You know, that's what we I got do it. as humans. I got man. it, bro. And so even if you can only I don't be, know that everybody listening has it, but I got it. Okay, good. And, yeah. You know, but then but then the flip side of that yeah. is that you become you 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 don't share when you do need help because you're like, I got to be strong. I got to be strong. And, uh, and then you take advantage of that desire to just like go forward. And, uh, sometimes we need help and that it requires, it's a different kind of strength to say, I need help. Right. And to just forge your own road, you know, and and it's that just be, you know, um, this experience definitely, uh, is, is probably something I needed in life. Right. You know, I needed to understand that yeah. balance. Yeah, I've had some shit go on in my life. I understand, and I don't. I wouldn't trade today for any other day. This is this is all good. Yes, it is. This is this is all good. Uh, I did have to get up really early to watch this documentary, and w- I did have to get here early so I couldn't drive my kids to school. So that's you know, that's a little different. But did you have insurance? I did. Um, You're lucky, man. You had. <laughs> imagine, right? How many? You living in a little town in Montana. I was watching this going, this dude doesn't have insurance. Yeah, I had I had just left my career as a yacht chef, and my severance package had ended in July, and um, I was zapped on October 9th of 2011, and Jenny had been on my case. Like, get your insurance, man, yeah. get your insurance. Yeah. She's my business partner, so she needs to know I'm covered. I'm the face of the company. And, um, and sometime in September, I finally got it going again. It's like, how many times does a guy need to just be pushed by others to do the right thing and to just step up to the plate and be responsible you know if you don't have insurance i mean think about this story yeah. without insurance no it's a different tune dude I, I but i i i um i just assumed you didn't and i was like i don't know how he how he paid for the who paid but this this is a mess and, yeah. and so many americans live in that mess i mean that 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 yeah you know, that, that most people don't have a jenny jane you know tapping them on the shoulder every second day going did you did you get that insurance yet? Did you? Well, hopefully, you know, if any, you know, and that's kind of the beauty of, you know, being invited to speak mm-hmm. with you today is, is I think there's this power to the spoken word and yeah. there's many, hopefully hundreds of thousands of people that will stumble upon this talk and, and hear it and become inspired to maybe this is one of many changes from this talk. Yeah. Well, what they need to do is listen to us for this hour and then, and then spend the 90 minutes watching the film because that's, that's really the, the, we can't, I can't, I certainly can't do it justice. And us talking about it, it's hard to explain the the, the imagery and the and the, the storyline here. But, you know, that was the, and, and the other cool part of the film is that it has a lot about your life. I mean, I have so many questions because, you know, you're not born in Montana, you're born in California, you move, your your dad leaves when you're three months old or, or, or says he's, gonna go home for a little bit and yeah. doesn't come back for a while your mom moves to montana with the church mm-hmm. and this is in the film and it and it shows parts of services and the church i've never heard of this church the church it's called church universal and triumphant yeah and they buy a twelve thousand acre what i guess a branch or a compound and everybody moves to montana yeah. But what is Church Universal and Triumphant? 
Sure. It's uh, it started in Pasadena, mm. you know, in the late late seventies, and um, you know they their beliefs very much are universal in that they'll take they take bits of um, Catholicism, Christianity, Hinduism, Judaism, Buddhism, uh, and kind of smash it together into just a, a you know a global view of religion. And um, why Montana? I have no idea, quite yeah. honestly, but. Well, you could get twelve thousand acres at that time. For, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 it like neighbored, you know, Yellowstone. That, so. No, that property we were talking about last night with friends who are elk hunters. We were, you know, talking, setting up our plans for this fall, and we were talking about the property that they bought. It was on the border of Yellowstone National Park, near a small town in Gardner, Montana, and um, it is some of the most um, magnificent country in yeah. Southwest Montana. Huh. And and growing up, you know, you think about it. We we moved from um, Pasadena. We drove a Toyota Corolla, my mom, my older sister, my twin brother, Eugenio, and I, and all of our belongings in this car. We show up in Montana, and, you know, we all of a sudden we start seeing mule deer and elk on the side of the road and bighorn sheep and buffalo. And I'm thinking, like, where the heck are we? So it was six years old. Then it starts snowing. And then it starts snowing. You're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I, you know, my memories of California are frying eggs on, on the sidewalk in 110-degree heat in the summer. Okay. Uh, I'll take the snow. Yeah. And, and you know, and... I thought, man, this is this is where I was meant to run. Hmm. This is Montana gave me the Montana um, created a foundation to dream big uh, in in my life that has become fundamental. And with this, did you go to public schools, or is it or is there own was it private or homeschooling, or was this how strict was this scene? Yeah, no, uh, within the church, uh, the church. Yeah. So the church offered an education program. Um, got kicked out of that. I went. You got to, kicked out of nine schools. I, well, I got kicked out of nine schools. So everything from military school in Roswell, New Mexico. That's so to, badass. Like I was like, okay, that's it. Yeah. This guy's a legend. I, punk, I mean, I got in plenty man, of trouble. But no, there we we saw the home the home videos where you yeah. were rapping and and smoking and drinking and. Yeah, that is, we didn't have dad. I did, you know, we didn't have a dad, and that's not that's. I don't fault him for that. I I just fault that my mom had to make make the bread. You know, she had to work, and um, you know, it, think about it a little bit too. Though is that um, you know, it was my older sister, Indra, and my twin brother Eugenio, and myself, and my mom doing her best, but we were surrounded by. They say that those that you surround yourself by become your um, almost become parts of you, you know, mm -hmm. they, they, they're your influence. And we, we were hanging with a lot of buddies that uh, were from broken homes. And, um, you know, we really, we had a, Boy Scouts was probably one of the truest compass morse I had as a mm -hmm. kid. It, right. it taught me some fundamental skills. It taught me respect for the forces of Mother Nature in, in being out in the yep. woods. But, um, God, there weren't a lot of, you know, there weren't a lot of sort of governing barriers to keep us straight. We could go explore, and that meant drug abuse, and that meant, you know, um, you know, all kinds of explorations at a young age. Wow. Yeah, that that's that's. Um, but then, yeah, the, the 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 drug part. Well, this doesn't get too specific, and we don't need to get too specific. But it clearly, you know, you were, uh, you know, you kind of did what you wanted to do, and I related to that. I was, you know, when I fortunately I had sports and endurance sports and i was on some team and yeah. ran track and field and did tries if i don't have that because my mom was young when she had me and we basically grew up together we, we i'd have been totally fucking crazy i'm yeah. already crazy but i would have been really really crazy it would have been like <laughs> you're in jail crazy yeah um 
So I I, re- I, I relate to that. You know, but, just on that, Lance, you know what's sad? And I, I don't regret much, man. Yeah. But I, uh, I love sports. I love, on that, I, I, there's a sprint that I'll never forget. I was with two friends in a city park, and we're sprinting, and we're neck and neck. And we're spinning. You don't even feel your feet touching the ground anymore. And I was convinced that I could pull ahead of my two buddies by just willing it to happen, mm-hmm. by thinking it to happen. Like, I could no longer get my physical body to do much more, but I could do, like, if in, my, if in my mind I could convince myself to move faster, and I pulled ahead by, like, a half a foot, and that was it, you know? Yep. And I, I've loved sports for that reason and, and still do. And um, I never played soccer in high school because uh, after school was that little window of opportunity before work or before going home where I could get high with my buddies. Hmm. And that was when soccer practice was. And I think about that a lot as an adult. I think, man, um, you know, I, I, just, I just, I don't, I maybe, I hate to say I regret it, but I, I think about, like, how could that have been so important? Right. You know, that, that I, I didn't focus on sort of, playing you know a much more healthy endeavor right and and i and i reflect on that a lot yeah talking about the sprint i mean and this idea that you willed that to happen to me that that's the same gene that says that you felt a responsibility to be tougher than i should have been because of the people i mean that's the same that that's the same dna there that that's speaking to that but yeah i mean and then your brother your twin it was your twin brother decides that he wants to find your father or find y'all's father right which is so again the fact that there's footage of this in the film i mean i'm like who films all this shit like you're filming then there's footage of you guys going back it's not it's not the same it's old it's a long time ago so it's not the same quality but there's this footage of this in like that first image when you guys reconnect with your father that first image of your father i was like oh my god yeah that's their father yeah like it's like you're like your triplet yeah we 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 feel like we're brothers for the yeah. most part yeah mm-hmm. god that's gotta be tough that's gotta be, is he does he live in montana still he's, he, he's, he's in the film a lot in Montana. no he's he's still with us he's in montana um one of us sees him every day my brother moved home my little sister moved home so we all move we are in bozeman area um really to to be around and give him care and um see him as often as possible mm-hmm. and he's still with your mom no, um, very much like Jen and I, they're buddies, not not married, not in a romantic relationship, but they're, they're did, buds. Did, did, uh, and we don't need to get too much into this, but it, I think it relates to another guest I had on the show, but did Jen feel like a big sister to you? No. 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 But it, it or not a, babysitter is a wrong word, but it, certainly she was your caretaker during it all. I had a guest on, Ricky Williams, who who, who was... You know, has this love story, but he was like, you know, he was telling me, he said, oh, we were, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're not together anymore. And I was like, well, what happened? He's like, well, uh, you know, after a while, she just, it just kind of felt like she was my big sister, and I, I just decided I didn't need a big sister. I was like, okay. Yeah. Hmm. No, no, you know, it's interesting. Jen and I had not, uh, had stopped dating in 2013, um, you know, and. When does the accident happen, the exact day? So October 9th. Of uh, October 9th, 2011. And so, you know, we, we met in 2006. Gotcha. In 2009, we split up because yeah. of my, um, you know, poor choices in our relationship, being unfaithful to Jen. 
and um, and yet we were convinced that we we should consider you know what what friendship was going to look like, and um, and we we still remain friends to this day, but um, you know and we're still in business together to this day. Mm. And one of when we screen the film and then we have a Q and A afterwards, it's one of my favorite moments because it's an opportunity for the audience to. Um, some of them have questions for me and, and Jen or Phil, um, but, but oftentimes someone will have rather a statement they'd like to make or a takeaway of ownership. That's I can't imagine. Yeah, you no, know, really, I, kidding. And but sometimes it leads into, and my favorite is when it goes to Jen mm-hmm. and not to me. You know, and it says, you know, and and Jen, one of her reasons for the film is she said, like, what about putting a little highlight and a little focus on the love of a friendship versus the love of, you know, our society puts so much attention on love being attached to an intimate relationship, mm-hmm. you know, a sexual relationship, whereas just loving a person, like showing love to another person, you know, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be human for you. And, um, and Jen has very much done that for me. Yeah. No, that comes through loud and clear in the film. And she, she's moved on in life and I mean, she's kind of the hero of the story. Yeah, no, I mean, she really is. No, like it's, it's. I don't know that she wanted to be the hero, but the way that it it plays out, she's and 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 you have other people testify in the film that oh my god, I thought they were an item. I thought they were dating, and lo and behold, not even close. So she she's like this. She's like this superwoman. She's in, she's incredible. Mm. Um, she's incredible. You know, we, we still support each other in business, and she's doing some of her independent things, screenwriting and comedy. She's the head of marketing, the CMO for our food brand, Montana Max. So she's doing her life. You know, she's doing her thing, and um, you know, proud to say that we are we are still friends. But in the most part, it's because of some. It's because of a lot of work on yeah. both of our ends to find an honest path that we both can walk on. Yeah. So I have two questions about Montana Max. First of all, can I get one of those hats yeah. that you have on when you're out fly fishing in the film? Like, I want one of those hats. Yeah. All right. So please. Done. Okay, done. And two, Montana Max is like a, what is that? Like a, you know, you buy salsas and guac at the grocery store kind of thing? Or is it a, it's not a restaurant. Do or you shop it? at H-E-B? Um, well, I don't shop anywhere. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I'm useless. Anna must go to HEB. Anna, uh, I don't want to endorse it. She would, she would know. She would not okay. go to HEB because she's super, you know, everything has to be, not that HEB doesn't or won't. I'll, re- I'll retract the grocery comment. So we are, uh, it's a food brand. Montana Mex is a food brand that's sold nationally. And um, we're in the condiment category. So we do sauces, seasonings, and oils. Yep. And um, given my background as a chef, and as a cancer survivor, um, it was very clear that we were going to dig into the FDA rules and regulations for f- processed foods, and we were going to make sure that our label was a 100% transparent, clean-labeled brand. Okay. So if it's not on the label, it's not in the product. No processing agents that aren't listed. She, she would love all that. It's, it's you know, preservative-free, color-free, um, vegan, gluten-free, kosher, organic. Now, here we go. I'm just pulling at MontanaMex.com. See, there's my logo that I want. There on it hat. is. Yeah. Yeah, so you have a whole... I should have looked at all. Yeah, here, avocado oil, sauces. So I, I get you a gift pack for, for your scrambled eggs in the morning sent to your house. And Try she... And vegan, non-GMO, kosher... Da, da, da. Oh, she would love this. Featured on HGTV People, Inc. Magazine. And it's nationwide. 
it's nationwide. We're 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 a smaller brand, so this is our first year really attacking grocery sales. Um, so soon soon to be in in many more stores. But it's tough to start a brand. I mean, it's, huh. And there's some in the food space. I'm involved in a few food things, but it, it's it's hard to get a leg up there. I mean, there's so many. I mean, how many people make all these things that we just talked about? I mean, it's 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 insane. I will say that there's um. You know, okay, so you co- like spin off that comment. It's hard to start a food brand. There's a lot of food out there. Why do a food brand? Um, as a yacht chef, so I worked as a yacht chef for ten years, and that's going to be my final question. I'm obsessed. With, I think that's like that's the, that's we'll get to it. <laughs> um, Love that. At some point, when I was 25, I shifted from understanding that food was a job that food was my passion. Yep. So at 25, I may I kind of had an aha moment, and um, and therefore, when I'm, if you're the guest, if, if you're on my yacht and I'm, I'm the chef and I have you and your family, um, often I don't, as a single chef cooking for 10 crew and 10 guests, I don't have the time to make everything from scratch if I want to get two hours of sleep, you know? And, um, and so then as a chef, you go out and you look for pre-prepared foods to the extent of seasoning blends, um, sauces, the, these, these middleman conduits between a raw material like a chicken breast and your plate that somehow helped me as a chef cut some corners to get it seasoned and tasty Hmm. onto your plate. But then you start looking through the fine print on a lot of condiments. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of undesirable, um, sure additions to those products. And so because of my background as a chef that needed to find more time, I guarantee you what, you know, cook at home doesn't need a little bit more time to make dinner. And then what cook at home just wants to trust the brand that right. they're working with. So that's what we set out to do. But to scale, you must have times where, so you're looking, as a chef, you were looking for a quote-unquote shortcut to, to just to make your day and your and that meal more efficient, the prep more efficient, as a as a manufacturer, essentially. Yeah. You must, obviously, we know that uh, without naming names, there's plenty of manufacturers that take a whole lot of shortcuts. Right. Which then just, you get deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole. So that I mean, for you guys to scale, you know, to keep it, um, you know, this pure, for lack of a better word, right, is, you know, it's not easy. No, it's not easy, um, but it it uh, it's doable. Yeah, trust me, it's doable. Mm-hmm. Our business is built on being an honest, transparent food, clean label food brand, mm-hmm. and it's very doable. And the other focus, um, and, and it's hard for me to be incredibly humble here, is you want it to also not taste like cardboard. You right. know, you want it to taste effing good man right. you know you want to be a winner for any anyone put you know put this in your hand and welcome to your new ninja seasoning for any meal and that's i feel ninja like, seasoning I feel, I feel like it does you know i love it check yeah listeners check it out montanamex.com it's all right here so is this your new lady right here this picture this blonde not, lady not if it's on montanamex.com okay good then, then. <laughs> just curious just curious. So uh, let's let's wrap up. But I wanted to um, this life of living on a yacht. Like I've I've been fortunate enough in my life to have a couple of those vacations. That's the greatest vacation as as the guest. That's the ultimate vacation. It's the ultimate family vacation. Um, but I I wonder for the crew what that's like. Like I've never. I guess I have a time or two. Been like where where do you guys live? Like where do you sleep? And you go down and it's like. Dude, you're at the very bottom of this boat, and it is super tight. Yeah, and but at the same time, you're 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 sailing all over the world, and you know that that the last part. Yeah, 
kind of rewind to being um, 20 with a degree in your hand and, you know, you're not married, you don't have kids and you're fairly footloose and free, right? Yep. And, um, and Jenny know, was on the crew too. That's how y'all I, met. I, I met Jenny on a yacht called Blind Date. Go figure. That's in the film. Yeah. And uh, so basically for a decade, I, you know, my career as a chef, I was paid to travel the markets and ports of the world and learn their cuisines yep. and hone my skills as a listener and chef to others. You know, I would listen, I would ask, I'd say, what? Hey, if you were on board, Lance, first thing I would do, I would immediately be up in you and your family space right. being like, yo, I'm Eduardo. What do you eat? Yeah, maybe what do you even like? before. What do you love? Because you got to stock the boat. You, you know, you're not. Yeah, yeah. You're you're in the middle of the med. You're not going to roll up to the H E B and get groceries. I mean, you need to know before. It's a lot of planning. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know. So it's my my approach was just to say like, how can food be not just a caloric intake thing, but a true, um, a true unique experience hmm. for, for all of us. And um, and that's been approach my approach with um, the company Montana Max. That's my approach personally when I cook. You know, I have a big garden at home. And then, uh, actually, I mean, the reason we're in Austin is this August we have a show launching with Yeti called Hungry Life, and it's about cooking over coals, cooking in the outdoors, and how sort of to make food a real experiential thing that anyone could really pull off. Hmm. Wow. And that that's, you know, the times I've been, you know, the, the crew makes the trip to me. I mean, oh, the man. boat could be great. The, the places you are could be great. Yeah. You throw in a bad crew or, or even one or two bad crew members and you're like, ah. But I guess for the crew, the guests sort of make the trip, right? So it's this dance between the two. And I'm sure you we don't even need to, you know, you've had some trips, I'm sure, where it's just like this person just killing me. I don't know. I you know, I'm not I'm not an asshole buddy that's always gonna try and find the positive. Yeah. Like, you know, my my girlfriend now sometimes it just says like, Hey, let me just let me just get this out. Don't just stop me immediately. <laughs> Let me get this out. And um, I would always encourage the crew and rally them around me and, and with me, you know, yeah. and, and just say, hey, you know, well, this is what we do. This is what we, it's really like if you go to sort of, uh, you know, it's like a gladiator pep talk, you know, like this is what we do. We are here to make this experience phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And there should be a joy in waking up every day and crushing your purpose, yep. like waking up every day and saying, "How can I squeeze the pulp out of this experience today, mm. and 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 do more than I did yesterday, mm. be better than yesterday?" And I think if you, you know, it sounds kind of dumb, but it's actually not. If you take that approach to being the engineer or the deckhand or the chef, or the stewardess or the captain, the end result is top shelf. Right. Hmm. How many speeches do you give a year? A handful. Just yeah, you know, yeah. You should give more than a handful, I think. Thank you. I'd, I'd like to. I mean, I mean, if you can go talk for thirty minutes and tell people how to squeeze the pulp out of life, I mean, boom. That's a that's a. What about a book? Um, we're we're focusing on focusing focusing on, on the film, but for now, but no, uh, we are. Um, I'm reading a book right now by Lawrence Gonzalez, uh, Deep Survival, hmm. and and I swear I've been looking for this book for Phil. Do you remember when we first started filming? And I, uh, well, three years ago, it took Phil a year to convince me to even be a part of this film because I wanted to hide in a cabin and not talk about any of this. But um, do you remember me sharing how intrigued I was about um, what separates a survivor from someone that doesn't survive? Yeah, absolutely. Deep survival? Yeah, deep What's survival. Lawrence? Lawrence Gonzalez. Lawrence or Lawrence? Uh, Lawrence with a C. Yeah, Lawrence Gonzalez. Deep survival. And... Um, 
Anyway, Lawrence, if you're listening, I, I was going to reach out and see if you'd help me write a book. Oh, he right. Okay. I don't know. He, Higgs, did we get any emails from Lawrence Gonzalez? Maybe we should have him on. We'll have him on the show. Oh, my God. We'll make the connection. Do you it. guys go write a badass book, and then you're giving a speech a week. I, 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 plan, to, I plan to connect. Um, I, I would like to be doing tours after this film festival. So where we're at with Charge, just so the folks know, is that Charge the Film um you know really yeah, how the, are they going to watch it how uh, that's a, i mean i watched it you sent me the the vimeo link I sent, I, I i'm sent not going to put that out with the password to everybody no so when you know we we are touring festivals throughout the nation right now and uh, i'm hoping to find distribution so that the film is publicly released and accessible for everyone to view online mm-hmm. um and uh and until then encouraging um encouraging the public to connect with us on social media, connect with us on our website, subscribe to our website and connect with us on Facebook, chargefilm.com. And, uh, and that way you'll know, you know, you'll, you'll get a, you'll get a bleep or a blast out when we're in your town with the festival and, um, you know, and, and to share the word, you know, that's part of the things on, you know, on this hat I'm wearing today, it's, um, it says charged the Eduardo Garcia story, but charged, um, is really the end result that I, I, I hope, this film's impact um, is on others is is really just ref, you know watching the film and then not living in my story mm. but having it be that 2400 volt charge into others to you know find that kick ass get up and go in their own story dude i'm telling you i mean when i watched when i got sent the 3 minute trailer 2 years ago i i i, I just sat there and i was like okay i don't know if i was having a good day or a bad day i don't remember but I remember thinking if, if anybody's at home complaining about anything, whether it's because it's raining outside or because they know they're going to go sit in traffic or because uh, they got tendonitis or right. their wife just yelled, watch this. And believe me, all that shit will seem real, real small, real quick. And so that was my takeaway. And then, you know, then you get the longer version. So that's, that's, let's leave it at that. I mean, that's the, we'll leave it to the listener to be the viewer and and to and to make that hopefully you know gain that perspective and make that change in their life that's it yeah get charged get charged up eduardo thank you man Yeah. yeah thank you lance thanks for tuning in to the forward podcast like uh like i said at the top of the show if you have anything you want to say if you have a suggestion, please. God knows I need suggestions. Um, or questions, or concerns, or criticisms, or whatever. Let me know. Send me an email. Send it to theforwardpodcast at wedosport.com. I know it's long. I know it's a little confusing. Theforwardpodcast at wedo, W-E-D-U, sport, singular, Dot com. The forward podcast at we do sport.com. 